What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. It's the evening hours of Sunday, July 30th, 2023, and Sunday was that day, the day of reckoning for the St. Louis Cardinals, a day that we have known for some time was coming and maybe had a little bit of skepticism of late as to whether it would unfold in quite the grand fashion that had been prescribed by the St. Louis Cardinals and John Mozeliak and talking about the way that this team would be sellers at this year's deadline. It's not something we've really ever seen with John Mozeliak leading the St. Louis Cardinals as the general manager or now president of baseball operations, but they said it was coming and it has happened. The Cardinals made a couple of trades on Sunday that we're going to talk about here tonight on B-Shape Daily. Moving on from a couple of Jordans and a Chris. And getting in return, well, a bunch of prospects for the most part. So we'll talk about the return for the Cardinals on the deals for Jordan Hicks, Jordan Montgomery, and Chris Stratton. And whether or not we think these guys can make an impact as early as 2024, which was kind of the prescription given by John Mozeliak heading into this trade deadline. And did the Cardinals get enough? I think that's going to be the natural question when you look at some of the key pieces to the 2023 club that they have now begun to dismantle. And again, I think we all are probably in agreement that it was necessary with where the Cardinals are in the standings. They did beat the Cubs on Sunday, and we'll probably have some more content maybe coming Monday when it comes to cleaning up some discussion about maybe getting a little more into Steven Matz's outing and how he has really put himself back on the radar for the 2024 starting rotation. John Mozeliak saying today, if he continues to pitch like that, you don't need to mark it in pencil for the 2024 rotation for Steven Matz. You can go ahead and put it in ink pen that he'll be a part of that starting five, which is no surprise given the contract situation and the like, especially given the Cardinals have two starters basically at this point under contract for next season. So interesting to see that angle of it with Steven Matz. There was some really good Dylan Carlson stuff from Ollie Marmel this morning before the Cardinals-Cubs game on Sunday that uh, he talked about with the writers in his office. I'm going to save that because I think the way we discuss some of the things that Ollie said, which I know some other writers have probably already written about it, but I want to at least kind of talk about some of the things that Ollie mentioned when it comes to his view of Dylan Carlson and how he is anything but given up on Dylan Carlson and his career as a big league outfielder, which uh, is an interesting vote of confidence to hear. But the context of course is within the next 48 hours, Dylan Carlson may not be on the St. Louis Cardinals team any longer. So I might save that for, Later in the week, once we find out whether or not Dylan Carlson remains a Cardinal or not, possibly I'll be able to throw some of that content into another video on YouTube either Monday or Tuesday. So make sure you are subscribed to Brendan Schaefer, St. Louis Cardinals writer, the YouTube channel, which is found at the URL youtube.com slash at bschaefer12. Same as my Twitter handle, Instagram, threads, everything's at bschaefer12. So keep an eye on the YouTube page for additional videos that may pop up heading into the trade deadline beyond just the B-Shape Daily Podcast. Obviously, I always put the podcast up at YouTube. You can also listen to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, I feel like you guys have been listening when I've been begging you to subscribe and uh, follow on Spotify because the Spotify follower numbers continue to rise daily. So appreciative of that and you guys checking out the podcast over there. If YouTube works for you, though, that's perfectly well. You will get some extra content by being on YouTube because I don't put everything 
on the B-Shape Daily feed. So just a little bit of a tidbit there for you. If you like St. Louis Cardinals talk, the YouTube channel is the place to be through the rest of this trade deadline in the remainder of the season because then we will see the Cardinals' uh, stretch run roster begin to take shape, which I think will inform what the Cardinals are going to look like for 2024. And that's when the games really begin to count again. I hate to say it in such uh, maybe blunt phrasing, but uh, where the Cardinals are right now in the standings, it's very difficult to imagine making a run even if they had their full team. And after today, they do not. So like I said, lots of good stuff for maybe to talk some Matts, some Dylan Carlson, and other topics into the future. But I want to spend this episode of B-Shape Daily completely on the trades that were made Sunday by the St. Louis Cardinals because I have a feeling that's going to take up all of our time anyway. So I might as well not tease anything else. It started around the sixth inning on Sunday at Bush Stadium that the Twitter sphere began popping off with the reports, the rumblings that things were close. And then we start looking out with binoculars to the bullpen and we notice, holy smokes, Jordan Hicks isn't out there. Wait, can anybody get eyes on Jordan Montgomery? I don't see him. Oh, wait, yes, I do. But he's not hugging anybody. But now he's traded. Oh, my gosh. That was kind of the way it unfolded between innings six through nine. Nice at Bush Stadium on Sunday. And then the game was over. Jojo Romero, how about that? Cardinals closer Jojo Romero, who thought we would have been there, but here we are. There's a trade they won, the Edmundo Sosa trade. I think Jojo's going to be in that bullpen next year. I've continued to say that. But nevertheless, that meant we all had to go downstairs, file those stories as quickly as we could from the press box on the deals that were made. And then uh, we did get to hear from John Mosellock about the trades and kind of where the Cardinals stand with about 48 hours to go before the deadline as of the moment that we spoke to him. Now it's even less, and we're seeing as of this recording Sunday night rumors about maybe Dylan Carlson and the Orioles. Dylan Carlson and the Yankees has seemed like a plausible possibility. Uh, anything could still really happen. Jack Flaherty is still expected to be moved. I don't know about Paul DeYoung. It seems like bats are flying off the shelves and that teams are keeping them. The Cubs saying, no, we're not trading Cody Bellinger. The Angels, of course, have taken Shohei Otani off the market. So the bat market is interesting. Could Paul DeYoung actually have some value there to teams? Uh, I think it's definitely a possibility, especially when you hear the phrasing of the answer John Mozeliak had to a question Jeff Jones had about Mason Wynn and whether or not he might mix into this future in the uh, the near term. And Mozeliak basically said, I don't know what day we're pushing that button, but I could see Mason Wynn being a part of this team in 2023, which, by the way, if you guys haven't checked it out, on the YouTube channel, I did post a raw video of about 16 minutes of John Mozeliak's press conference today. My video cut out right after about the 16-minute mark on the very last question, right after Mo was getting a little saucy with John Denton, which was fun, uh, because the, the press conference had gone lo- gone on long enough, but I did miss kind of the very beginning of, of the last answer. But other than that, the whole uh, press conference is there on the YouTube page. I'm getting that uploaded right now as we speak, so hopefully that'll be up uh, by the time you guys are ready to watch it either later Sunday night or by Monday morning. But if you want to catch the full audio, the full video from John Mosellex Presser, that's on YouTube. Otherwise, let's like dive in now on opinionated stuff here. What do we think about the trades the Cardinals made? The first one that was coming to light was Jordan Hicks was heading to the Toronto Blue Jays. And then it was a little while before we got to know what the return was. And it turns out it's a couple of double-A pitchers. Cardinals trade Jordan Hicks to the Blue Jays for right-handed pitcher slash former St. Louis Rams tight end Joe Kloppenstein. No, Adam Kloppenstein, one of the pitchers the Cardinals got from the Blue Jays. The other one, I know I'm going to butcher this, Sam Robersa. 
and there was some dispute over how you pronounce his name. I'm sure we'll come up with it. Baseball reference does look like it's Robersa. John Mozeliak thought it was something different. I guess we'll find out in time. But both guys were at double A for the Toronto Blue Jays, which I believe is in New Hampshire, where that farm team is located. And kind of some interesting arms. I've got the Cardinals updated top prospects list pulled up because I think that's kind of the question that's inevitably going to come up first when people ask about, all right, well, what did they get and is it enough? Did the Cardinals do well with these deals? Because they said they were going to get guys that could help them in 2024. But you just told me they got a couple of double-A pitchers from the Blue Jays. And I'll tell you now, they got a double-A pitcher who's actually on the injured list from the Rangers along with a double-A hitter from the Rangers. Wait a minute, Mo. I thought it was pitching, pitching, pitching. We'll explain. I actually think that guy might be one of the biggest pieces that the Cardinals picked up at the uh, the, the Sunday frenzy that took place over uh, Bush Stadium way on Sunday. And then the other guy they picked up, John King, CNN anchor John King. No, he's actually a major league pitcher. He was on the Rangers this season. Kind of more of a, of a depth filler, I think, for the big league roster. Probably John King ends up in the bullpen. We'll talk about the Rangers stuff here in a minute. I want to try and keep on track here with the Blue Jays situation, but I've got the top prospects list pulled up. I don't know specifically where Adam Klaffenstein was in the Blue Jays prospect rankings, and I also don't particularly care, and that's going to be true of everybody that we talk about here today that the Cardinals picked up because, honestly, first of all, those lists, you might be looking at the top 30 from MLB.com or maybe you're looking at Baseball America those lists were made before the season in many cases, and they don't really get updated too regularly during the season. Um, I think around the trade deadline time, you do see them try and slot guys in appropriately when or, when they're moved to a new system. So I will give you the context of where MLB Pipeline has the new additions for the Cardinals. And uh, four of the five guys they acquired today, the four prospects really, all at AA with their previous teams, all of them do end up in the Cardinals' top 30. Adam Klaffenstein is the lowest on that list, ranked at number 23rd now in the Cardinals system, according to MLB Pipeline's top 30 prospect list. He's a right-handed pitcher with a, an ETA to the big leagues, according to this, as 2024. So those are just kind of general estimates, but a decent way to uh, to figure that maybe the Cardinals do end up getting some 2024 talent out of this, or at least guys that they believe can compete for the roster in 2024. Let's talk about Adam Klopfenstein, and then we'll talk about uh, Sem Robersa, who actually ranked much higher in the Cardinals prospect list. But I kind of look at the numbers of, of Klopfenstein recently and think he might be rather interesting. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Cardinals talk about needing that swing and miss. That's kind of something they've been lacking. And I do know that John Mozeliak in his interview today with Tom Ackerman on KMOX sort of played both sides of that a little and said, yeah, we do want swing and miss, but we also want to balance that with guys who can effectively pitch to contact. And I know a lot of folks on Twitter didn't like seeing that quote because they want to see the Cardinals go all in on the modernized version of a pitching staff and pitching coaching and pitching development, which is, you know, blow it by guys, figure out ways to miss bats and you will go far as a result. And the Cardinals have just been lacking that 
organizationally in recent years, and we've seen that kind of catch up to them, I think, now at the big league level. When it comes to Kloffenstein, who is a 22-year-old former third-round pick of the 2018 MLB draft, uh, was taken out of high school then, so he's still a pretty young guy, despite the fact that he's been uh, a professional for about five years now. He's only 22 years old, does not turn 23 until later in August, so about a month from now. But a pretty young guy who, by the way, both guys that the Cardinals acquired from the Blue Jays are being taken directly to AAA Memphis. Both were in A pitching, but are getting that promotion to AAA, which as we know at that point, you're just a step away from the big leagues. So kind of a, a way to color the way the Cardinals have viewed the players that they picked up today, that both Kloffenstein and Robertsa, and I am going to go with the baseball reference pronunciation for the moment on Robertsa. Even if I'm, I'm completely wrong, then I'll get it right for the next podcast. But uh, I'll do that for my buddy Hockman, who presented it to Mo in the question, and Mo's like, well, I think it's this. and I don't even remember what he said, but... Uh, Robert says what we're going to go with for now because it sounds cool. He's Dutch, by the way, from the Netherlands originally. And and I thought would have been on their WBC team, but I guess he was not ultimately on the final cut for that. But Roberta did pitch in the Futures game a couple of weeks ago out there in uh, Seattle for MLB All-Star Game festivities. But I like Kloffenstein. 3.24 ERA, 89 innings pitched this season, 105 strikeouts to 34 walks. But that 105 strikeout rate, or number, I should say, in only 89 innings, that's kind of the ratio that you're hoping to see, I would think, right? From some of the prospects who, by the time you get to the big leagues, even just averaging one strikeout per inning, nine strikeouts per nine innings, would be, I think, acceptable. If you look up and down the Cardinals roster, you've got some guys that can do that. I guess maybe not anymore with uh, the, the trades that are being made, but a lot of times the Cardinals have been lower in those strikeout ratings, and... Having guys who can miss bats is something that they have been very vocal about trying to pick up at this trade deadline. So that's what I like about Kloffenstein. The risk with him a little bit is that he is really doing well this year, but prior to this year, not really too strong. Uh, You can go back to the post-COVID season in 2021 where the the prospects, the young guys in, in different organizations were missing that entire 2020 season. Which it looks like I don't I don't know if this was fall league or what this was, uh, Constellation Energy League. He did pitch. Kloffenstein did pitch some in 2020 uh, during the COVID year, but I think it was it looks like independent ball. So I wonder if Toronto was like, hey, you're so young, you know, you need to get you need to pitch. So get out of here, and go do it somewhere else. I don't really know the story on that. Maybe we can find that out when we get a chance to to talk with him whenever that might be, uh, Adam Kloffenstein. But in 2021, he was pitching at high A and had a 6.22 ERA. So not great, but again, at age 20, still a pretty young guy. When you're drafted out of high school, it's difficult to kind of see what that progression looks like. But then again, last year, 2022, he split time between high A, where he performed a little better, 3.81 ERA, and then got the promotion to double A, New Hampshire, and again struggled to adapt, 6.07 ERA, in uh, 86 innings there last season, but still had 88 strikeouts. So I think that's kind of what you look at more so than anything else when it comes to these young pitchers making their way through the systems. Like, do they have the the qualities that you could see developing into more consistency down the line? If you're still managing at age 21 at at a double-A level where he was three and a half years younger on average in 2022 than the, the, the general competition that he was facing, still averaging more than a strikeout per inning, still getting through, right, being able to fill those 86 innings. Those are learning experiences, I think, at that point in time. 
But it's a question of, like, do you believe the leap that it seems that he's made this season? I, I would say that the one stat you circle is the 105 strikeouts in 89 innings. Only 23rd on the Cardinals' top prospect list, so I think a lot of the reasoning for that is, and I was hearing, uh, I believe Derek Gould was explaining this kind of in the press box as we were all talking about it after the fact, he was a Rule 5 eligible guy because uh, if drafted in 2018 would have meant prior to 2023, I believe this is right, would have uh, had five years, but unless you add him to a 40-man roster at that point, anybody could pick him up. And so being that he was Rule 5 eligible off of two really rough seasons in 21, and then uh, once he got promoted to AA in 22, Kloffenstein was maybe not that highly sought after, and that might be part of the reason he was not really listed among top prospects, but has worked his way back into that conversation, I think, this year with the way he's performed. So he's a really interesting guy. I'm intrigued to see maybe how he will perform and how his stuff will play at Memphis. But number six, your new number six prospect on the Cardinals' top 30 rankings there on MLB Pipeline is Sam Robersa, another right-handed pitcher who is at AA. He is getting the boost now to AAA and is also listed by MLB Pipeline as an ETA to the big leagues of 2024. Now, he's a little bit interesting. I, I mentioned him from the Netherlands, um, was part of that Futures game, so there were people who who clearly thought highly enough of him uh, to include him in that. Double-A numbers this year as a 21-year-old, 4.06 ERA, 88.2 innings pitched, only 86 strikeouts, so not quite one strikeout per inning, but relatively solid command. He's uh, given up 33 walks in those 88 and two-thirds innings. And this is where I feel like you see the Cardinals kind of fall back a little bit on the best of both worlds, where you say pitch to contact, but also be able to miss bats. Not eye-popping strikeout numbers, right? And if you look historically throughout his minor league seasons, I think that kind of remains the case. Last year, across a couple of levels, high A and double A, only 97 strikeouts in 111 innings. And so that might make you groan a little bit because you'd think that strikeouts and, and missed bats are only going to get more difficult to come by when you rise up through the systems and you get to the big leagues. And already you could say, well, maybe not a lot of that going on for him. But he's limited base runners in a really impressive way. And that's been consistent for Sam Robersa. His whip is usually 1.1 something. This year we're talking 1.173. Last year in high A, 1.54 or I should say 1.154 in New Hampshire last year, 1.176. Like that's been the storyline for this kid is he has continued to uh, have good command of the zone to where he doesn't walk too many guys, just 34 walks all of last season. That's up a little bit this year in about 20 something fewer innings. He's got the same amount of walks as he did all last season, but still pretty good. 33 walks in about 89 innings. And it just doesn't give up a lot of hits. So uh, a 1.1-something whip is generally going to be something that you're pretty happy with. Whether he can continue that as he rises through the higher levels, we'll see. But to bump him up already to number six on the prospect list, I think says a lot about maybe the upside that they have for this 21-year-old kid, who is 6'1", 185, by the way, is the way that he is listed, according to MLB Pipeline. Uh, Kloffenstein listed at 6'5", 243. So I view that Kloffenstein... Kloffenstein, that's going to be hard. It looks like Stein is pronounced Steen. I view him, he could be kind of that workhorse, maybe have the body type to eat up a lot of innings. That would probably be the hope. And the fact that he's been a guy that's had good strikeout rates, you feel good about that. Kloffenstein, his highest rated pitch, according to the scouting grades, is the slider. He's got a 50-grade fastball, 55 on the slider. He's got some other pitches as well that he mixes in. 
And then as far as Roberts is concerned, the fastball and slider are both at 55 on the scouting grades with cutter changeup following behind there. I think a, a more of a control-oriented pitcher. You might say, well, that's of the ilk that the Cardinals have already had, but I think he's another one of those guys that you have the raw materials of, seems to throw strikes and be able to limit the damaging type of contact. Can the Cardinals do what they've basically said has been a difficult proposition this year and take guys that don't necessarily have strikeouts as a huge part of their repertoire and try and extract as much swing and miss from those arsenals as they can? Another thing that Mosaic mentioned today, which I want to plug once again, I posted basically the full press conference on the YouTube page. It's about 16 minutes long. Uh, check that out if you're interested in hearing his ins and outs on the, the views on these different players. But talked about how some of the pitch shapes and the pitch quality and the types of pitches that the Cardinals were after and they were looking for in this trade deadline pursuit of young controllable pitching how they were looking at some of these guys that they thought maybe there are certain pitches that could play up compared to what they have already experienced. And uh, we'll see, obviously, over the course of time, whether the Cardinals were able to identify and, and land some of these guys in that regard. But Robertsa immediately slots in number six for the Cardinals. And so I think that's honestly a really good return for Jordan Hicks. Hicks is a guy that I know a couple of days ago we were all thinking, oh, is he going to potentially sign an extension I don't know if that was a smokescreen or if that was a case of Hicks really wanting to stay in St. Louis, which I believe that he did. And that's not to say that he couldn't come back. And that was something that was interesting to hear today from Ollie Marmel and John Mozeliak both, which is they both had conversations with each of the pitchers that have departed, Montgomery, uh, Jordan Hicks, and Chris Stratton, and told them, hey, we're not closing any any doors here. We're not burning down any bridges. Uh, we'd love to see you guys back here next year. So that's obviously something that would have to be worked out in free agency for each of them, but uh, is it realistic? Yeah, probably not. I would say of of the three, most likely to see maybe Stratton or Hicks come back. Um, I'd, Stratton would be an absolute possibility, I think, to return depending on the, the, the price of it all. Um, but it's just also going to be relative to uh, the market and, and what those guys are wanting and looking for. Maybe just a, a nice courtesy thing to say like, oh, well, we never closed doors on you. We, we really liked having you. But something interesting to keep in the back of your mind when it comes to these players. But Hicks in particular, I think it made much more sense, especially now seeing the return. Uh, the, the fact that you give up only one relief pitcher and you were only going to have him for two more months anyway. And what does a team like the Cardinals have use for a closer at this point as it is? It just made too much sense not to go ahead and trade him. So to go ahead and add a guy that's ranked as your number six prospect now, right ahead of Michael McGreevy, the uh, former first round pick of the Cardinals a couple of years ago, I mean, I think that's notable. And then you add another guy who's uh, lower in your top 30, and the Cardinals' system is not exactly robust at this point. But Kloffenstein could turn out to be a, a certainly back-of-the-rotation depth guy, perhaps. I don't know. We'll see. His numbers suggest that if, if what he's done in 2023 so far is retained and is real, maybe I'm I'm calling him back-of-the-rotation is, is too low of a, a ceiling to assign to this guy who's had really exactly the type of strikeout numbers that you would be looking for, uh, at least at the double-A level. Now he's going to have an opportunity to, to move up to triple-A and see what he can do there. And uh, Roberta will have the same opportunity. So I think it's a good return for Jordan Hicks specifically. I kind of figured to get the most value out of Hicks, they would have to package him with one of the other guys, package him with a starter like Montgomery or Flaherty, or maybe package him with a, with a, a hitter like Dylan Carlson if they end up trading him. That's not the case, and the Cardinals got two good pieces back which I think is is definitely a win. And it's also a win now that we're going to get to see 
I'm telling you what, in a playoff game, it's going to happen. Genesis Cabrera, scoreless eighth inning. Jordan Hicks, scoreless ninth inning to win the Blue Jays a playoff game. You already know what's written in the stars. And by the way, the other exciting thing about Jordan Hicks now pitching for Toronto is we finally get to know how many kilometers per hour a Jordan Hicks fastball actually gets you. I'm really excited to see that uh, conversion factor as we get into the metric system there for Jordan Hicks. But like I said, I am actually largely in favor of the return they were able to get for just Hicks. I thought he would be packaged. The fact that you get two triple-A pitchers, essentially, like they're going to be a triple-A. They were double-A guys, but 21 years old, 22 years old, some young guys, potential, and all you did was give up a closer that you don't have a lot of a use for a closer at this point with where the Cardinals are the rest of the season. I know it's painful. I know I may be treating it more like the business transaction that it is, but I think that's just where the Cardinals were. And again, if they really do want to bring Jordan Hicks back, I don't think he's going to be completely uh, you know, closed off from the idea unless he got really pissed off by the fact that they did trade him today because he, you know, the team probably knew he didn't want to go anywhere. But I don't have any knowledge of what his reaction was. He was not in the clubhouse by the time we got through talking to Ali Marmel and John Mozeliak. The only guy that was still there was actually Jordan Montgomery, which was uh, which was kind of cool to get to ask him a few questions, see him off, and, and wish him well out there at the Texas Rangers. But uh, we didn't get to see Jordan Hicks and, and what his kind of reaction was to the day, uh, nor did we get to talk to Chris Stratton. But Stratton and Montgomery, the two guys that are heading to the Rangers. So let's talk about that deal next because it's more along the lines of what I thought we would see in terms of packaging guys together. As far as the return, like if you compare it to what they got for just Hicks alone, it feels a little bit underwhelming on the pitching side. But I think the highest upside guy of the day of all the trades that were made ends up being involved in this trade and coming to the St. Louis Cardinals. It's a 21-year-old pitcher, Takoa Roby. And this guy kind of feels like your upside lottery ticket. And the reason I say that is because he is a former third-round pick, the same draft as uh, Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, Tink Hentz. He was a third-round pick in that 2020 MLB amateur draft. The reason I say lottery ticket, he has dealt with some injuries. He's just 21 years old, does not turn 22 until later in September out of Asheville, North Carolina. Great place to go for a honeymoon, if anybody's wondering that. But Takoa Roby has dealt with elbow injury in the past. He did not get Tommy John, I don't believe. Was able to avoid that uh, late 2021, I think. And then the offseason 2022 recovered and came back and largely pitched a full season last year at age 20 in 2022. Pitched at the high A hickory level. uh, Had a 4.64 ERA at at 20 years old. But did throw over 100 innings with 126 strikeouts. That's really the numbers that pop off the page. And that was after having a little bit of elbow trouble. But then coming into this season, gets the start at double-A Frisco. He's got a 5.05 ERA, so not super noteworthy in that regard, but does average a little more than a strikeout per inning at 50 Ks in 46 innings this season. But the problem now is that he's on the injured list. He's dealing with a shoulder issue. John Moselak saying today that Roby would go down to the training complex at Jupiter the rehab situation for him ongoing, but that the Cardinals do play in that he will pitch at some point again in 2023, uh, whether that's a double A or where they choose to send him, believing that he will be be able to get back on the mound uh, with whatever shoulder stuff he's working through. They obviously would, would be asking about that and trying to get an idea for it before finalizing the deal. 
The Texas deal did take a little bit longer to get finalized than the Blue Jays deal. I, I don't know the reasoning behind that, but uh, Mo did say that right before he stepped into the interview room to talk for the press conference, he had just gotten off the phone with Takoa Roby, who had actually asked if he was okay if he played catch because uh, was, I guess, down there and, and wanted to <laughs> still wanted to play catch at the facility where he was. Mo didn't say specifically whether he answered that in the affirmative, was saying, uh, you know, don't want to get guys that you just traded away hurt on your facility. So maybe they, he needed the permission to play casual catch. I honestly don't know how that ended up, but it was. I just thought it was a funny inclusion in the press conference today. But good news on the surface anyway that Roby would be able to perhaps pitch again this year. He's number four right now in the St. Louis Cardinals top 30 prospects according to MLB Pipeline. And the, the list now goes like this. Mason win number one, and he may not be a prospect for long either. Tink Hens number two. I think it's starting to get time to be really excited about Tink Hens, who uh, still just 20 years old, according to this on MLB Pipeline. I don't know when he turns 21, though. I guess I should look that up and find that out. Uh, yeah, born in 2022. That's not what I said. <laughs> that would be notable. That would be notable. He was born in 2002. Uh, actually has a birthday coming up just this week. So Tink Hens about to turn 21 was, of course, a second-round pick from the Cardinals' 2020 draft class. He's number two in the organization's top prospect list with Gordon Graceffo at three. And then the newcomer, Takoa Roby, that we are just talking about at four. Uh, Cooper Jerpy at number five. First-round pick, I believe, from last year's draft. Left-handed pitcher. And then Sembra Bersa sliding in at number six. Roby, I think, absolute high upside. You probably don't have the chance to trade for him if it, if you weren't kind of going through these injuries the last couple of years, right? Uh, with the, the the type of power arm that he projects to have, listed at six one one eighty five as well, which I think that was Roberta as well. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe they're identical, but uh, another solid right-handed pitcher. And you look at the scouting grades on him, fifty fives across the board. So uh, a pretty deep arsenal, according to that fifty five grade on the fastball, curveball, slider, and changeup. And for those unfamiliar with the scouting. Grading curve, it's a 20 to 80 grading scale. So you, you start getting into the 55-60 range. That's uh, certainly notable. I believe it has something to do with standard deviations. I read that recently. That it, The 20 to 80 grade scale in baseball scouting is actually based on uh, some good statistics and things of that nature. But Roby, solid arm. I think it's going to be exciting if he can be healthy. That's, that's obviously the bottom line for pitchers in general. But clearly ranked with some legitimate upside as now the number four prospect in the Cardinal system. So they add him to the top 10. They add Roberta to the top 10. And here's another fellow added into the top 10. And the guy that I said could honestly be maybe the dark horse, best pickup of the day for the Cardinals. And the reason I say that is because of the player comp that John Mozeliak gave for Thomas Sejaci, who is not part of the pitching, pitching, pitching that the Cardinals were looking to pick up at the deadline. He's actually an infielder. Listed on baseball reference by his positions of second base, third base, and shortstop. Wow, okay, so he can play a little bit of everywhere. And also, he's got a bat that he brings with him to the ball yard. 21 years old, spent this season so far at A Frisco, and does not turn 22 until next April. Reading off the batting line here for Sejaci, 314 batting average, a 380 on base, and a 514 slug for an 894 OPS. He's got 15 home runs. In 417 plate appearances, which matches about what he did last year at high A when he had 14 home runs in 419 plate appearances before 
a late season promotion to double A. He looked great last year. Double A has continued to do so this season. 15 homers, 78 RBIs, can play anywhere on the field. Wow. Good on base skills. Who does that sound like? Well, if the answer that you were thinking was Brendan Donovan, well, you would be correct because when I asked about John Moselock's thoughts on Thomas to JC, he said, well, it's kind of like Brendan Donovan. He called him a Donovan type with the way that he can be versatile, play a little bit of everywhere. And then I thought it was fascinating that Mo said, because this is a phrase that I have used. If you've listened to my content, Be Shafe Daily and the like for long enough, you've probably heard me talk very highly of BFD, Brendan Donovan, when I say, you know, if you had nine Brendan Donovans out there on the field, you'd probably win a lot of baseball games. And Moselak said, we obviously love what we have seen from Donovan. And, you know, if we could have another one, that would be awesome. So the Cardinals maybe now have two Brendan Donovans. They just need seven more to complete the set and become entirely ungovernable in the MLB hierarchy. That's all we're looking for. Nine Brendan Donovans and you can't be defeated. I will say this, though. So JC, a right-handed batter. And so JC, by the way, spelled S-A-G-G-E-S-E which kind of gives me some trouble. It should be easy to remember this. Sem Robersa, his last name, Robersa, which is how we're pronouncing it for now, spelled R-O-B-B-E-R-S-E. So they both have a double consonant and then an S-E ending. And I keep wanting to make the S's doubled, but it's really the first consonant that's doubled. It's a whole thing for me. But so JC, right-handed batter, plays a little bit of everywhere, has a bat to him, drafted in the fifth round in that 2020 MLB draft. So the Cardinals really feel like they loaded up on some talent from the double-A caliber today. A lot of these guys are going to be right to triple-A. Some of them will get there sooner rather than later, I would imagine. And I know a lot of people might be saying, well, how does that help you in 2024? Did the Cardinals really get enough here? I think they probably did. I think the returns are really solid. I don't know how many of these guys are going to pan out or to what extent they will do so. And maybe that's the scary part because you're you're getting four guys that were at double-A John King, uh, the CNN anchor, as I mentioned, was the fifth acquisition by the Cardinals today. He was part of that deal with the Rangers as well. Uh, 28 years old, not really a prospect, had a 5.79 ERA so far this year with Texas in 15 relief appearances. Um, you know, is there a lot of upside there? Probably not, but that's that's a guy that, you know, you pick up and is a controllable arm, and maybe he is a left-handed thrower, and so maybe you find another gear from him potentially than what he has shown so far, uh, kind of in that mixture as a, a guy who's pitched at AAA, pitched at the big leagues, not a ton of success. But I think the four main acquisitions are the guys that were all at AA. King, by the way, John King will likely end up in the St. Louis bullpen as early as Tuesday because, of course, they've got some roles to fill on that pitching staff at this point. And we'll talk more in the days ahead once we know the final roster, what our expectations are for how the roles are going to shake out and and how the auditions, I, I, I suppose, are going to begin for this Cardinals team looking toward 2024, but still with an eye on trying to, to get these guys sharpened up for 2023. Interesting thing Ollie Marmel said the other day, uh, this was Saturday morning, talking about like, hey, is it just going to be time to let the kids play and develop and all that kind of happy-go-lucky sounding stuff? He said, I mean, yeah, development's going to be a part of it once you're kind of quote-unquote out of it. But it's something that he values and and maybe the Cardinals have not seen enough of in recent years in their minor league system. And, and perhaps that's part of the reason you're not getting the contributions from the minor league system this year for the St. Louis Cardinals at the big league level. Like normally you've got guys getting called up left and right and they're making meaningful contributions. And that's kind of been a pipeline that has soured a little bit this year 
other than Jordan Walker coming up from from the very beginning, but you knew that he was a top prospect. And on the pitching side, they haven't gotten a ton of contributions. But that 2021 season was a disastrous one for the Cardinals throughout their minor league system. They aggressively promoted a lot of the prospects and young guys from that 2020 COVID year, kind of guessing at where they should be placed thereafter. And maybe we're a little overly aggressive in, in doing that, but it led to losing seasons essentially across the board, triple A, double A, single A, uh, throughout the entire minor league organization. Whereas historically, Ali Marmel talked about rising through the ranks as a coach and manager. That that was part of what I think make Ali, uh, made Ali a very compelling managerial candidate at the big league level because he extracted that talent and found a way to win baseball games at the minor league levels that he was coaching at, which is something the Cardinals have valued over the course of their history. And I think it's been valuable that, you know, you think of the Memphis mafia over the years and the different guys that have come up to really make meaningful contributions to uh, longstanding playoff teams like that 2011 run. And, and even in years since guys that come up from Memphis are seasoned and prepared because they're probably playing for championships down there. Uh, in, in many years, and the same has been said for Double A. That's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. In 2021 was a year in particular where that was was problematic, and so the idea for Ollie of you know just bringing these guys up and saying yeah, let the kids play, let them let them develop. Part of that development is is the hunger and the thirst and the chase for the win, and knowing that even though they're going to be a little depleted uh, compared to where their roster was a couple of weeks ago when it had Montgomery, when it had Hicks, when it had Flaherty. The idea and the mindset for Ollie Marnell is still going to be to manage to win these games. Yes, you do have to, to balance the development aspect of it as well. But if these young kids aren't valuing winning at whatever level they're at, how are they going to know that it's something important to do? Which maybe is an oversimplification. That sounds kind of dumb the way I phrased it. Uh, but but to know that chase for winning and for victory and, and to prioritize that is still going to be something the Cardinals will do down the stretch. So, I think it's inherent that they're going to lose a lot of games because they're not going to have the level of experienced talent that they started the year with after they make all of these trades at the deadline. But also there is that element of if you get kind of the right mix together and it's it already was a young team, it's going to get even younger, I think, and, and less experienced with the guys that they're inevitably going to have to turn toward for August and September. They're still going to try to win baseball games, I think is is the message that Ollie Marmel uh, was sending. And, and we'll, we'll try to get to some more of those thoughts uh, like I mentioned, with Ollie and, and, and the Dylan Carlson stuff, a lot of good stuff about his development from the right side of the plate versus the left side of the plate was discussed this morning uh, by Marmel. And we'll get to that later on on the YouTube channel. I, I am still kind of on pins and needles to see what happens with Dylan. If I had to guess, I'm still kind of 60%, 70% probably that he does get dealt just based on the, the amount of rumors that are flying around, the notion that bats are not all that prominent right now on the trade market. And so teams looking for bats and looking for controllable upside like Dylan Carlson would provide uh it, it certainly more than possible that he would get dealt but that's just kind of my speculation at this point and we'll have to wait and see but with the final thought the final word on the return here which of course the final word won't take place for a number of years once we find out how the the careers of these individual players unfold but when you look at Montgomery Hicks and Stratton being the guys you give up you weren't getting anything for these guys. If you didn't do it before this deadline, they could have pitched for you the rest of the year. Maybe you win 79 games instead of 75 or 72 as a result of keeping those players. Uh, but the juice would not have been worth the squeeze to just completely hope against hope and to be stubborn to reality of where this team was in the standings. I think John Moselock had a really good day. 
I really do. And uh, he's got a chance to have a couple more good days. He said today was an event. It was not the whole thing. The trade deadline is not here. He asked himself this hypothetical. Do we think that there's going to be some more action, some more things yet to get done? Probably. And Jack Flaherty, I think you absolutely still need to move Jack Flaherty. Uh, another expiring deal. Paul DeYoung, if they can find a way to make it work without being forced to eat too much money. Again, I don't even know if the return is the biggest part. At this point, I just want to see Paul DeYoung playoff renaissance. Like, give him a chance to go play in the playoffs somewhere. Realistically, the Cardinals are not going to pick up that option for next year. And so I, I think it makes the most sense probably to move on. And it, it gives him an opportunity to potentially find uh, another gear with a new team and, and just see what that looks like in another environment. I am... It's not an anti-Pauly D take that I say this, but I'm rooting for the trade to happen because I want to see Paul DeYoung in the playoffs and, and root for that opportunity for him. But as far as the return today, I think a good one. I think you get four guys that are all, yes, they've only played at double A at their highest. There's upside in Roby with the injury, but but hopefully that's something he overcomes rather quickly and can maintain. It's a little scary when you think about he had elbow, but no Tommy John. He's got surgery or shoulder, but no surgery. And so it's like, is that what, what's exactly going to be the, the, the long-term thing that keeps him out potentially, but the upside is undeniable with him. And when you're talking about only giving up rentals guys that the other team only gets for a couple of months, yeah, they're trying to win a world series, but there is a cap to just the value you can, you can extract from guys that you, you know, are not under contract for you long-term. So the fact that that was the situation for the Cardinals and they were able to come up with a, a guy with Roby's upside uh guy with the uh, Robertas, I would say, combination of nice floor. Kind of reminds me of McGreevy in that regard, where it's like he's kind of still undeveloped. Maybe as he develops, he develops more swing and miss. That's got to be the hope with Michael McGreevy, because McGreevy has continued to pitch pretty well at AAA Memphis. And I am still, I know his name hardly ever gets brought up. And it's very a strange phenomenon to me for the 6'4", 215-pound right-hander. You look at his numbers, He's been solid, 4.15 ERA in Memphis, although I guess I should check to see what Memphis actually did today because he was pitching in that game. But before today, 82 innings and 61 strikeouts. That's kind of the deal with McGreevy. He's still only 22 years old, and so there is always maybe the possibility that he would develop more of that as he goes along, but that was kind of the book on Michael McGreevy coming straight out of, of college, right, was that he had good command, but... Was it necessarily going to be the type of arm that allows him to develop into a bona fide top end of the rotation type of guy? Whereas when you draft someone in the first round, that should probably be your hope. But we've seen, you know, Zach Thompson. We have not seen him kind of develop into that guy at this point. Uh, a former first round pick of the Cardinals, McGreevy. The the jury's kind of still out. But I feel like with the the way he has developed already now at AAA and, and thriving is the way I would phrase it. And today, uh, just checking out the numbers, his ERA is actually now down to 3.83 because he threw seven strong today for Memphis. Seven innings, three hits allowed, uh, four walks is very un-Michael McGreevy-like for what I think uh, we would expect to see from him, but also had the six strikeouts today. So, I mean, that's solid. And the walk rate may be a little bit up compared to where it had been, but still uh, 24 walks over 100 innings this year for McGreevy uh, is, is perfectly fine. It's been up a little with Memphis because he had just one walk in Springfield in 18 innings, 23 of them in 82 innings now with Memphis, but uh, still a very good command-oriented pitcher. But the reason I bring up McGreevy, who we, we talked about earlier being the number seven prospect in the organization per MLB pipeline, one spot behind Sem Riberse, Um 
and I, I'm going to say his Roberta Roberta. I'm going to say it different every time. Eventually, I'll get it down. I'll hear it said enough that I won't get it wrong. So apologies to Sam. But the reason I bring up McGreevy, kind of that orientation of command pitcher who's maybe not going to strike out a bunch of guys, which feels like that's what the Cardinals have already had and what they're almost trying to get away from. And so you kind of ask the question of, well, how do you square that circle with the fact that you willingly drafted Michael McGreevy, who was that kind of guy? But maybe that means the Cardinals still believe there's another gear in terms of the, the, the swing and miss game that McGreevy can get out of him. And talking to McGreevy, by the way, at spring training, he's not a guy that I count out just by looking at the box scores or uh, the, the profile that says he's not going to strike out enough guys. Like, I maybe this doesn't have value to a major league team in the way that um, it, it just sounds very good narrative-based, but McGreevy is a, is a competitor. I could tell from talking to him and from watching him down in spring, um, he's a guy that gets after it. Uh, what is he, 20, 22, 23 years old? I was just looking at his uh, MLB pipeline page, which said he was 23. I had maybe called him 22 years old earlier. I think that was from looking at, yeah, he just turned 23 recently is uh, the situation that I believe it is. Yeah, in July, he turned 23. So that's what the situation is there. But he's not a guy that I'm counting out. But Sam Berza, in a similar way, not a super high strikeout guy, but I think has good command and maybe even a little more strikeout K rate than what we've seen so far from McGreevy, which is maybe why he's a little bit higher on the prospect rankings for the Cardinals, but still kind of a raw talent, undeveloped and, and young enough to where you could absolutely see steps forward from him. And then the third pitcher is kind of the third wheel in, in terms of where he's ranked on the prospect ranks because Roberta and uh, Takoa Roby are both ranked within the top six for the Cardinals, but you've got Kloffenstein down there at 23, and it wouldn't shock me if he ended up being the best of the bunch because he's demonstrated um, more consistently at double A and has, has not had the health issues of Roby at this point of uh, having high strikeouts. 105 Ks and 89 innings is something to pay attention to and uh, I think feel good about. So Kloffenstein will get right to triple A. Those are three good arms. Again, you, you got these for three guys who are rentals. You know, you do throw Chris Stratton into the deal with the Rangers to maybe spice up the return a little bit more. But I don't. I think that was always going to be the way that you dealt Stratton if you did. It wasn't going to be that you traded him alone, um, you know, for, for a minor league player because that, that probably wouldn't have gotten you a very sexy return just because he's more of a middle relief type, uh, a bullpen depth piece that has a veteran leadership, veteran presence that uh, I think could be valuable for sure with Mike Maddox down there in Texas. You get Stratton and Montgomery back reunited with Mike Maddox, which I think is kind of cool. And uh, Montgomery, when we did talk to him today, mentioned that Stratton was one of his best friends on the Cardinals. And so he was excited about getting the chance to start that next chapter uh, with his buddy, which I think is good. And uh, like I said, from afar, I'll be kind of uh, keeping an eye on the Rangers and hoping for them to do well. They've also got the Max Scherzer element to all of that now, the former Mizzou guy. So that's that's a team that's got my interest as we uh, careen toward the postseason in this MLB campaign. But the pitchers, I think, were were attractive. I don't think you were going to get any anything that had a, a lot more... I guess, experience attached to it. We maybe had some pipe dreams about guys like Brandon fought for uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. And uh, there was a moment in time today where I was like, we were looking at each other in the press box going with the Blue Jays trade Alec Manoa. Like we didn't know how it, that it was just Jordan Hicks going to Toronto. And so maybe Montgomery was going there too, or Dylan Carlson. You know, I had no idea, but there was a moment in time where it was like, holy smokes, if they got Alec Manoa, uh, Life just got a lot more interesting in St. Louis because, of course, he has really had some struggles this year with the Blue Jays. Um, they sent him all the way down to the Florida Complex League. He's now back, but, you know, kind of having some uneven results. Guy who was absolutely dominant last year, which is why I traded for him in fantasy in the offseason, and we've seen how that has gone. But uh, you can't win them all. But nevertheless, 
I think with the guys that they got back, yes, they've only played a double A other than John King, who's who's kind of a depth piece, I think, for the bullpen in, in the big leagues. But when you look at rentals, the idea that you were going to get bonafide studs that were going to step right into your major league rotation or something like that, I, I just don't think it was ever relevant, realistic, because when you look at the teams that you're trading with, they're all contenders. And if they have a guy that would step right into a big league rotation, they're probably using him right now rather than trading for your Montgomery or for your Jordan Hicks or your Flaherty sort of thing. So I think the fact that you get some guys with some upside feels really good. And I'm telling you what, I'm keeping my eye on uh, that Thomas the JC guy, the uh, the Brendan Donovan comp from, from the right side, essentially. Right-handed batting, Brendan Donovan, high batting average, high on base, has slugged as well at the, the levels that he has gone so far as a professional, is uh, just 21 years old at this point, a young 21, April 10th, 2022, birth date. So he'll turn 22 uh, next April. Very much intrigued by this guy. He feels very much like the Cardinal type of player. And as as John Mosellek said, we'd like that Brendan Donovan. And if we could have another one, that'd be awesome. So what do you think of the Cardinals return that they got today for their two trades of three expiring pitching contracts, Montgomery, Hicks, and Stratton? Let me know in the YouTube comment section below. I'm really intrigued by the way the Cardinals have kicked off this deadline. I know that a lot of people were kind of tired of waiting to see what might happen. Uh, but again, there is plenty of time to get these deals done. And Mosellock decided to have a big old honking day on Sunday. Uh, and then he said, we'll go back, regroup, kind of reassess where we're at, maybe be able to change some of our stated goals, by which I think he meant, look, the goals was we got to get pitching, 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 pitching. Well, I got a pitcher, a pitcher, a pitcher. And so now, along with adding a nice little Brendan Donovan uh, replica, can they maybe look elsewhere and be a little more open-minded when they trade Flaherty? Like, trade it for the best available talent, even if it's not a pitcher. Maybe you trade Flaherty along with, I have no idea, Giovanni Gallegos, is is the Ryan Helsley thing still a possibility? Do you package him with uh, Dylan Carlson to get a really big, I say really big fish, but a a legit piece? I I think there are a lot of options right now that the Cardinals are going to continue to explore. So we'll continue talking about them on B-Shape Daily and here on YouTube.com slash at B-Shape for 12. We'd love to have you guys subscribe if you enjoy the Cardinals talk. Subscribe on YouTube, click the bell for notifications, and click like on this video. And don't leave before you drop your comment below. I want to hear your thoughts on the Cardinals' return and how you feel they're handling the trade deadline so far as sellers for the first time in the Mosellac era. That is going to do it, though, for this edition of the show. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.